Well, I'd, I'd like you to turn in your Bible with me, um, trying to figure out where to start here. How about Matthew chapter 18? Go with me to Matthew chapter 18. I want to uh, talk to us today about, uh, I'm going to actually start a series today about um, things that Jesus asked us to pray for. Things that Jesus asked us to pray for. Now, last fall, how many of you, how many of you get scams every day on your social media, or your email, or your text messages, or your phone calls? How many of you are tired of of, of uh, having to renew your uh, insurance that's about to expire on your vehicle? Oh. I just start talking to them about Jesus. That's what I do. They're a captive audience. There's one that says, have you heard the good news? Have you, heard, have you gotten that one in a private message? Have you heard the good news? And I always, you know, what an open door to talk about the good news of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And you really, you really kind of wonder, are things real or not? And last fall, I got an email from what was a supposed attorney that said, uh, your, your information was stolen by Facebook. But if you give us your uh, name and your address, we'll make you part of the lawsuit. They did not ask for any financial information. I responded. Seven months later, I got a check for $400 as part of the lawsuit. It was real. Imagine that. I couldn't believe it. I thought, wow, it's real. And I think that's sometimes how we approach the scriptures. Is it real? Or is it not real? Is it real or is it not real? Did Jesus mean what he said? I want us to read this verse in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 19. It says this. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. And so the question that we ask is, did Jesus mean what he said, or is this a scam? Now, because this is a big promise, isn't it? This is a big promise. Now, we have to take it in with the totality of Scripture. There are reasons why God does not answer prayer. If you ask amiss, James said, 
wanting to spend it on yourself, uh, God's not going to answer your prayer. And so there are things that if they enter into the mix, there are reasons why our prayers do not get answered. We have to take the totality of Scripture, not just one verse, right? And yet we have this promise that if you agree on anything, in the name of Jesus, that the Father is going to do it for you. And I feel like in my Christian walk with the Lord that I'm beginning to believe that prayer works. I feel like there's a fresh wind in the body of Christ, not just here, but across the body of Christ that, that is getting a hold of the promises of God in prayer. And it's reawakening something inside of people that, that Jesus, when he speaks something, he means what he says. Hallelujah. So that when we pray, we pray with faith, believing God. Hallelujah. Jesus promised the Father is going to be a part of, he's going to be a part of it when you pray. We're two or more gathered. Two or three, it says, are gathered together in my name. I am there in the midst of them, and the Father will respond to that prayer request. And I believe that part of the discipleship journey is the struggle up in our walk with Christ, the struggle up in our walk with Christ to believe the word of God. This is why so many times when Jesus sees people and uh, they, they come to him and they, 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 or they touch the hem of his garment or they say, Jesus, I want to see, or they, they, they say, uh, they, they lower, the, they lower the, their friend down through the basket, often through the ceiling, oftentimes Jesus' response is, according to your faith, according to your faith, be it done unto you. And I think that part of the discipleship process is learning to trust God enough that he really means what he says. And we begin to stand. We begin to stand on the word of God. We begin to stand on the promises of God. We begin to stand on the things that God said. Hallelujah. Now, I believe that there are uh, important places for many different kinds of prayer, many different kinds of intercessions, many different kinds of, of meditation, time with God. There is a invaluable personal time with God that everything else is built on. It's you and Jesus. Hallelujah. It's your personal time with him. It's, and, you, and, and here you have the invitation to come boldly into the throne of grace and make your requests known to God and present your needs to him. Hallelujah. And in that throne room time, just you and him, he, he will give you grace to help you in your time of need. I believe that with my whole heart. And then I believe in, like, uh, what we're doing tonight. Tonight, you know what tonight is? Tonight is a solemn assembly. Tonight is an assembling together of believers across the spectrum, coming together, calling out to God for the region, calling out to God for our state, calling out to God for our nation. 
And, and so when multiple people gather together, that's a biblical thing to do. So you have the alone time with God. Jesus spent alone time with God. You have the corporate time of God, the time of solemn assembly where we pray. And here you see the small group uh, getting together, believing God for uh, his promises to be fulfilled. Praise God. And I'm beginning to believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him and believe that he is by faith. And so I begin to notice some things in Scripture. I begin to notice that Jesus either modeled or asked us to pray for some very specific things. And, and so I want to look at one of them this morning quickly. I'm going to take about 10 or 12 minutes here to present this. And then I believe that God wants to touch people in a powerful way this morning. And if you back up one if you back up in the book of in the gospel of Matthew to chapter 9 Jesus is displaying compassion for people. Compassion. Verse 35 says he went through the villages teaching, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, the good news, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. I believe this is how we should see the place that we live. Because this world that we live in is increasingly like sheep with no shepherd, scattered. And I believe that God, rather than having his people respond with anger at every turn, I'm angry at this, I'm angry at that. But we would see people like they really are. They're lost. You know why, you know why people live like they do? Because they're lost. They don't have a shepherd. And Jesus was moved with compassion. And I believe the number one response of the church as she stands up in this generation is not a response of anger. But it is a response of compassion. And that we ought to look at people that are lost. We, we ought not to expect people that are lost to live some other way, should we? People that are lost are, are going to live as though they are lost. People that have a perspective in their mind that, that is formed by being lost, how can we expect them to, to be like believers? And so we ought not be the angry Christian shaking her fist at America saying, oh, oh, you're, you're so terrible. We ought to see like Jesus saw in this Roman-occupied Jewish nation he looked at these, 
these, these multitudes, and he was broken for them, and he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And that is how we ought to see our world. When you read the news and you read about wokeism, and I want to tell you that, that this battle between wokeism and unwokeism in our politics, it's difficult. It's difficult, and it's very easy to take sides. And, and as an American, I have opinions. But I want to tell you that there are just as many lost people on one side of the aisle as the other. Because you're not born again by what you believe about politics. You're born again by what you believe about Jesus. And so the goal of our Christian walk is not to get this person in this office. The judge of how we're doing in America is not how elections go. The judge of how we're doing in America is by the spiritual condition of people. And I want to tell you, people need Jesus. And so what did, what did he say in verse 37? He said to the disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I want to pause here a moment again. I'm watching the time. I've got eight minutes. Quit saying, it's so hard. It's so hard to win people to Christ in America. Jesus says, the harvest is ripe. When he asked us to pray, he didn't ask us to pray. Ripen the harvest. What did he ask us to pray in the very next sentence? Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. Into the harvest field. You know what the church is? The church, one aspect of the church is it's a mechanism by which the harvest is reaped and preserved and kept and, and increased. So Jesus asks us specifically to pray for laborers in the harvest field. Now, I'm with pastors a lot. You know what I hear a lot? I can't find anybody to work in my church. I can't find anybody to do this, or I can't find anybody to do that. And I know this is specifically talking about the harvest field, and we're going to pray for that in just a moment. But don't you think that if we need laborers in the kingdom, that we ought to do what Jesus said to do, that we ought to pray for laborers in the kingdom? And that if we don't pray for laborers in the kingdom, what's going to happen? If we don't pray for laborers in the kingdom, we won't get laborers in the kingdom. If we don't pray for laborers in the harvest field, 
We won't get laborers in the harvest field. James says, you have not because you ask not. And so I hear pastors say, well, there's nobody to work in the nursery. There's nobody to work in children's church. There's nobody to work in youth ministry. There's nobody this. There's nobody that. Well, I have a simple question. Is it a problem that there are not people available? Or is it a problem that we are not following Jesus in his commandment to pray for laborers in the harvest field? Maybe we need to increase our prayer time. Oh, God, would you raise somebody up to, to, to not only disciple the, the students that we have here at Faith, Assemble, Faith, at Faith Church, but, but will, you raise, will you raise somebody up that will win young people to Christ all across Lincoln? Hallelujah. Oh, God, raise up a laborer because that's an incredible harvest field. God, will you raise up children's workers not only to disciple our own kids, but to, but to lead children to Christ here in this entire region because it's a harvest field that's white unto harvest. We need laborers. Hallelujah. And I believe that if we begin to pray for laborers, that God will begin to move. God will begin to do it. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody give praise to the Lord because he's going to do it. Now, I, and, and, so, and so is this just a, a commandment to pastors? This is a commandment to every believer. God, raise up laborers for the harvest field. Raise up people that will say yes to go. You know what happens when you begin to pray for God to raise up others? You begin to get a burden yourself for the harvest field. For the harvest field. Jesus spent the night in prayer before he chose the 12 disciples. It was in a prayer meeting in Acts chapter 13 where uh, the, the elders in Antioch, they were fasting and praying. And in that prayer meeting, God said, set apart for me Saul and Barnabas to the work which, which I have called them. And it was in that prayer meeting that that first missionary journey was launched. Wow. Ask, therefore, the Lord of the harvest to raise up laborers. Jesus, Jesus, do it. Jesus, do it. Jesus, do it. Oh, hallelujah. Raise up laborers. Raise up laborers. You know, there is a blessing on the house when the people are willing. That is a blessing that is on the house when the people are willing. Let me read some verses. First of all, involuntary offerings. Voluntary offerings. I want to say praise God for a heart of, of uh, world evangelism in this church. You know, what you know what the giving to world evangelism is? It's a free will offering. I want to read to you uh, a verse from 1 Chronicles 29. It says this in verse 6, 
Then the leaders of the father's houses, leaders of the tribes of Israel, the captains of thousands and hundreds, with the officers over the king's work, offered willingly. They gave for the work of the house of God 5,000 talents, 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, 100,000 talents of iron. And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord into the hand of Jehiel the Gershonite. And then the people rejoiced, for they had offered willingly. Because with a loyal heart, they had offered willingly to the Lord. And King David rejoiced greatly. This was the provision for the temple that Solomon was about to build. And the people willingly gave. Can I tell you, when, when there is a willingness amongst the people, oh, that is the favor of God being poured out, hallelujah, on a house. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There was, uh, in Second Chronicles 17, Jehoshaphat is raising up his army. And there's one verse, one verse of a young man um, and it says in verse 16, and next to him was Amasiah. You don't read about Amasiah anywhere else in the Bible. Amasiah means the Lord is strength. And here's Amasiah. It says, Amasiah, the son of Zikri, who willingly offered himself to the Lord. That's his only mention in all of the Bible. Amasiah who willingly offered himself to the Lord. What an amazing testimony. God raised up laborers in the harvest field who willingly offer themselves to the Lord. Hallelujah. Who don't give because they're coerced or strong-armed or convinced. They do it as unto Christ. Hallelujah. They do it as unto the Lord. They don't give their hours in prayer. They don't give their time in the ministry doing the different things that, that God has called them to do to impress people, but they do it willingly as unto the Lord. Hallelujah. There is a strength in those people. Praise God. They're not there to impress people, but they're there to impress the Lord. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Psalm 110 verse 3. Uh, it, it says this, your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Literally, the translation means your people have become themselves free will offerings. Isn't that good? Your people have become free will offerings. Oh God, I'm I'm not here because I'm forced to be here. I'm here because I want to give myself freely to you. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the name of Jesus. There's no other place that I would rather be than in the courts of the Lord. I, and, this, and the psalmist say things like, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the tents of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Better is one day in your courts, God, than a thousand elsewhere. A volunteer. A volunteer. Who willingly offers himself to the Lord. 
beauty of your holiness. Can I tell you that Jesus is worthy of us laying our lives down for him? For us to say yes? I want to read one more verse that I read Thursday night. We had a move of God Thursday night when I read this verse. It's in Psalm 6811, if you could turn there. Psalm 6811, I'm going to close with this verse as we pray. Well, I might not. I might have one more closing. I might have two closings. Psalm 68, verse 11 says this in the New King James. It says, the Lord gave the word and great was the company of those who proclaimed it. This, this verse captured me this week. The Lord, and, and, I'm, and I'm just seeing the Lord as the captain of the host. He's proclaiming the word. The Lord proclaimed the word. And this host of people took the baton and started running with it. Great was the company that proclaimed it. This word company is the feminine version of the word. So some of your translations say, great was the, the women. The, uh, let me read it in the New International Version. The Lord announces the word, and the women who proclaim it are a mighty throng. And all the women said, it's powerful. And so since... So I didn't, I didn't see that. I just, said, I just read it in the New King James. And then Thursday night at, at our Petersburg uh, service, at our, at our gathering, they started sharing that verse with me in other translations. And I saw, oh, this is, this is specifically, and then I, I studied it out myself, this is specifically a message to women. That God announces the word and there is this host of women that are carrying the word that God speaks to the nation. That's pretty awesome. Now next week is Father's Day. But I didn't get to preach on Mother's Day if you'll remember that. I want to declare over our women that God has anointed you to carry his word. In the book of Acts, it says that Philip had four daughters that prophesied. And it specifically says, it specifically notes that. He had four virgin daughters and they all prophesied. Well, what is that? It's the fulfillment of Psalm 68, 11. And God spoke the word, and the company of women took that word and ran with it and told it to the nation. And can I tell you that almost all the time in revivals, in almost all the time in prayer meetings, almost all the time in moves of God, do you know who starts them? It is not the men. The men eventually come along, you know, and take the credit. No, there are... 
There are powerful men of God that run this race. We're not excluding men here today by any means, but I want to tell you that, that uh, women uh, throughout history have carried the message of the kingdom of God and saw incredible things happen. There's a transliteration, the passion tra- it, it's called the passion translation. It's not a true translation. It's, it's uh, more of a, it's like the message. The message and the passion translation are not true translations of the Bible, but they're incredible commentary and they're good uh, at, at uh, capturing meaning on a lot of occasions. And so I want to read, I want to read here uh, Psalm 6811 from the Passion Translation. This is powerful, if I can find it. Um, I did not put it in my notes. I'm going to have to pull it up manually. Um, while I do that, um, I just want to speak. I want to speak to the women in this room. You are not insignificant you are not inferior you are not less God has called you God has equipped you God has raised you up God has raised you up God has raised you up for such a time as this. Praise your name, Lord. Psalm 6811 in the Passion Transliteration says this. God Almighty declares the word of the gospel with power. And the warring women of Zion deliver its message. Oh, that's powerful. I want to read that again. God Almighty declares the word of the gospel with power. And the warring women of Zion deliver its message. Ask, therefore, that the Lord would raise up laborers in the harvest field. Raise them up, Father. Raise them up. So Deborah won a mighty, mighty victory. In in Judges chapter 5, she sings a song, song of deliverance. Her and Barak sang this song together, so it was contemplated and well thought out. It wasn't just, it wasn't just a song of the Lord in the moment. It was written down, and they learned it, and they sang it together, and they presented it to the people. And this is the beginning of that song. Listen to this. When leaders lead in Israel, and when the people willingly offer themselves, 
bless the Lord. That's the beginning of their praise of victory. When leaders lead and the people willingly follow, bless the Lord. If we sang that, if we sang that in a church today, people would say, what are we singing? This doesn't make any sense. Here's what she saw. God called me to lead. He raised up around me a people that helped me lead. And the people were willing. And because of that, a great victory came about in the kingdom of God. And I want to tell you that it is no different now. That when we become willing offerings to say, here I am, God. I am available. I'm a willing offering. I will go. That's powerful. I'm going to ask Alexandra to come and if you could play that song available. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your name, Lord. We need to respond to the word of the Lord. First, I'd like, first, I'd like to just appeal to the ladies that are here this morning. You feel God speaking to you through Psalm 6811. You feel God calling you to a higher place in his kingdom, in service to him. You feel God ministering and speaking. And you want God to touch your life as you say, Lord, here I am. I'm available. I'm available to you. I'm available to you. Ladies, if that's you, I'd just like you to stand where you are. Say, Lord, here I am. I'm available to you. I want you to use me. So God, many of these women that are standing, they don't feel like a warring woman of Zion. Sometimes they feel insignificant or less than. But Lord, you have called each one of them as a laborer in the harvest field. And God, as they simply present themselves to you and say, God, here I am. Here I am. I pray, God, that across this nation, across this state, across this region, across our city, across this church, that you will raise up warring women that will contend for your kingdom in the name of Jesus, that will find their way into the prayer closet because they are powerful with you. They'll find their way to prayer meetings. They'll find their way to the place of seeking your face. They'll find their way, oh God, to the, the place of obedience. That God, that you will raise up women laborers across this nation 
in Jesus' name that will stand up for your kingdom. God, I thank you. I thank you for women that are standing across this room right now that are saying, I will be a warring woman of Zion. Called out. Called out and commissioned by the king. Called out and commissioned by the king. In the name of Jesus. Oh, we give you praise. God, I just pray fresh anointing to come upon every woman that's here right now in the name of Jesus. Fresh anointing. Fresh anointing to come upon them by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, we bless your name, Jesus. We bless your name, Jesus. And now, joining these that are already standing, anybody, uh, man, woman, uh, teenager, whoever you are right now, if you're saying, I am, I am willing and wanting to be available for the king to use, I want you to stand as well. And we're going to say, here we are, Lord. We are available. You are raising up the army of the Lord. Hallelujah. You are raising up your people. This is an army going forth. And so we stand in your presence and we say, Jesus, here we are. We are available. We are willing in the day of battle to do battle. We are willing in the day of battle to volunteer, to volunteer for your kingdom. God, and however you would use us in the name of Jesus, we say, here we are, God. Here we are, God. Here we are, God. We are available for you to use us in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord.